Lord, to be in Your house. We're so thankful, Lord, this morning to study Your Scriptures together, Lord. To just study what it is that Christ Jesus would do in and through us, God, when we put our full and total trust in Him. And I pray that this morning, God, that we would be convicted to our core. That this morning we would examine our hearts, God, against Your Scriptures and to see, are we truly living a life that Christ Jesus has called us to. And I pray this morning, God, that you would lift us up, God, to break our hearts, Lord, to break our hearts for the things that break yours, that we would be lifted with you, God, to see our faults, to see our insecurities, to see the things that keep us from living out your will and your way. And I pray this morning, God, that we would be a people who are on fire for you. God, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit, God, would just come into this place would guide us and direct us, Lord, to bring us closer to You. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. What a beautiful song we sang just a moment ago, guys. And I'm not a good singer. Let me just reiterate something for you. Worthy is the Lamb Seated on the throne, we crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious, high and lifted up, Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. How beautiful, guys. Not my singing, but how beautiful. This idea that the Son of God, the darling of heaven, would be crucified on our behalf. This morning, it's easy to approach this passage of Scripture as a throwaway when we're teaching expositionally. In other words, to see this passage of Scripture, see a list of names, because we're familiar with the Old Testament, and what happens when we get to a list of names? We're all guilty together. It's a Zoom read, right? You might skim through and see if there's any names that highlight to you, and we're guilty of this here, most of us, to read. And we see Simon, Peter... James, right? We know James and John. We got the inner three. I know these guys. Matthew, I know him. Thomas. Oh, not Thomas. James, the son. Simon. Oh, Simon. He did. Oh, no, not Judas Iscariot. Does that seem silly when when we read it that way? And yet, if we're honest... Many of us are guilty of reading Scripture this way. What you wouldn't know if you didn't study Scripture in its entirety. One of these we know would be the betrayer, as Scripture tells us. Ten of these guys will be killed as martyrs. Many of which be crucified. One filleted while he is alive. Ten guys... Who lived it. And when I say lived it, I mean to the death. 
And one who Jesus refers to maybe as the beloved. And God says, I'm not going to take him. He's got to carry this message to its finality. And in this moment, we go, oh, well, Jesus, you know, he really likes John. What we don't realize, however, if we approach it this way, is that John is spared so that he can conclude the canon of Scripture with the revelation given to him by Jesus on the island of Patmos. And most of us hear this and we go, yeah, yeah, I know John. What you don't know is John lives out, likely in the church of Ephesus, the church that at this point in time, roughly 96 A.D., would probably be being pastored by a young man named Timothy. Why is Timothy important? It's more than a name, guys. Timothy's important because he was mentored by the one and only Paul. Why is Paul important? Because Paul is quite literally knocked off his high horse and meets Christ Jesus in the middle of his pride and his anguish. Paul was so worried about self-righteousness that he was missing the gospel. He's later quoted in his own canon of Scripture by saying, and the Scriptures all pointed us to Him. The same Jesus who He would martyr people Himself for. Maybe not directly, but He had it happen. We know that as Stephen is martyred, The coats are thrown at the foot of a young man named Saul. And what does this mean? It means Saul is most likely the the honorable one, or Saul is the one that they're doing this for. In other words, Saul very likely had Stephen killed. and he, He may have not cast a single stone himself. But we talked about in Sunday school this morning, sometimes it's not just the sin of commission, it's the sin of omission. To know better and still not do it. And so if you remember, as we studied, Jesus, in verse 17 of chapter 2, we we had what was kind of looked at as the Jesus gospel, which was verse 17, when Jesus heard it, He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, said another way, the self-righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, Christ Jesus Himself says, I didn't come to spare those who think they do all the right things, but those who know that they can't do any better, those who know they're sinners, they're flawed, and they need Jesus. Oh, how we've moved so far from this idea of following Jesus. There's a hymn that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. You familiar with this? The early Christians, air quote, were not called Christians. That word appears three times in the Bible. However, the word the way or hodos appears something uh, 118 times in your Bible. Followers of the way. Followers of the way. We were not called to sit idly, family. We were not called to sit on our hands. It is great commission time in this nation once again. How do we become more like Jesus by being more like Jesus?
And it's easy to approach this passage of Scripture, see the list of names and say, zip. And if you did that, you would miss this, this call of Jesus. And He went up on the mountain, and as they hear this, they would think of of Moses' eight ascension on the mountain. This is the one where he would actually receive the Ten Commandments. Eight times Moses goes up on that mountain. So they see this Jesus, the new Moses, the greater Moses, the second Adam, and they see Him ascend this mountain. And He called to Him those who He Himself wanted. And we talked about this again this morning, this idea that Jesus calls us to Himself. Terminology and phrasing has us say, I I did this and I did that. And while it was your free will to accept or deny Jesus, it is Jesus that ultimately calls us to Himself. And He called those to Himself and they came to Him. In that moment, they had a choice. Judas the betrayer had a choice. Something about this doesn't feel right and I know that I can't handle this burden. I can't handle this load. But yet the will of God, providence. The idea that God is working all things together for those who would profess the name of Christ Jesus. And then he appointed 12. No accident here, guys. The 12 tribes. And they're represented that they might be with him If you're a note taker, that's a good place to take one. That they might be with Him. How do we follow Jesus? First of all, we've got to be with Jesus. If we're not with Jesus, we are against Jesus. That they might be with Jesus. And that He might send them out to preach. We have to be with Jesus. We have to be like Jesus. What does Jesus do? He goes into all the nations declaring the good news. And what is the good news? This idea of repentance. Turning away from our sin. And this is a daily battle of, of turning away from our sin. Turning away from the flesh. Putting the man of old in the past. And distancing ourselves from him. Because if you give him an inch, he takes over. If you give the former man an inch, he becomes first place in your life. And if the former man is first place in your life, there's no place in your life for Christ. We've said another way in this teaching that we have this idea of leaving some baggage in the closet. How many of us have a clutter closet? Guilty. We're all sinners amongst a partnership of sinners. We have this clutter closet. Do you need anything in the clutter closet? Probably not. Most of which you haven't seen in years. But one day I might. And the same is true with our spiritual lives. We hold on to former baggage. The proclivity for sin. The proclivity for shame. And we give it this space in our life. 
and the ability to come to the forefront and take over. If you give sin an inch, it will go a mile. We have to be like Jesus. Following here, might send them out to preach. And look at this, guys. They would have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Is the power in their name? No. Is the power in the name of Christ Jesus? Yes. How do we know this? Because when Christ Jesus approaches the unclean spirits, they throw themselves down and say, No, Son of God! The demons know. And yet those who most closely claim to follow Him turn a blind eye. One of the biggest barriers that will keep us from our sin nature that separates us from the loving arms of God the Father is our pride, our arrogance, this idea that we know best. I know better. And yet we still return like a dog to his vomit. If you came for soft and cuddly, this ain't it this morning, family. We are sinners. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And there is only one name that can be professed for salvation with God the Father, and that is the name of Christ Jesus, the name above all names, the Son of God. High and lifted up. Seated on the throne. And yet, we have this tendency to put ourselves on the throne. Our pride separates us from the order that God has created and made new in our lives. Which is Him at the throne. Us seated at the throne. On our knees with our hands lifted high. Proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And you'll notice, almost as if foreshadowing, all of Jesus' biographers, that's the four Gospels, placed Judas Iscariot at the footstep of the twelve. Almost every time that we see them listed out, we will see Peter, James, and John go to the forefront and Judas to bring up the rear. And what's beautiful is that Jesus, knowing Judas would betray Him, still invited Him to the table. Jesus, knowing that Judas would turn on Him, give Him the betrayal kiss, still washed His feet. Jesus, knowing that Judas would be the one to deliver him over to his death, still passed the bread. And we're so worried about what separates us from others that we will never see that we find ourselves in the 12th place of Judas. The one that's invited to the table. The one that knows and yet still lives in a way of flesh and sin and this world.
The fact that Jesus called to Him those who He desired emphasizes His authority in choosing specific individuals for a particular purpose. Said another way, you were chosen on purpose for a purpose. And your purpose is not to sit on your hands and keep it to yourself. This gospel message is one that we boldly proclaim. The word that is read as witness, which is what all of you and I are called to do, is the same word that is read in the Greek as a martyr, the one who will die for their beliefs. You and I are called to go to the cross of death for Christ Jesus just as ten of His immediate disciples did if the message calls for it. And yet we have a faith that if it were on trial to put you in that place, they would let you go free. Which is the betrayal kiss. The one that says Christ Jesus was never on the throne in your life. While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. While I was in the middle of my filth, the middle of my pit of shame, the middle of being the most distant self that I could possibly be, that's the moment of softest heart when God could come to me and say, come near, child of mine. And we get so self-righteous We get so hard of heart that we think the gospel is not for those people or this people. While Christ Jesus declared the opposite, the good news that He would come and live the life you and I could not live, die the death we would never qualify for, and to be raised from the dead on our behalf to separate us from sin and death is available to all. Who would believe? Not just that you would believe, but that you would carry that message into the nations for all people. And I beg you, church, why are we so silent about the good news? The 25th is coming Sunday night. You have one of the greatest opportunities to come and learn together. To sit at a table together with people who live a life just like you that face the same sin that you face and to come together and say, how can we be more like Jesus? How many times have you ever prayed the prayer, Lord Jesus, break my heart for what breaks yours? And that is, in fact, one of the purest Prayers. That is one of the most Christ-like prayers that you and I could ever pray. Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha. The great commission has become the great omission. Quoted by the famous Dallas Willard. The one message that you and I are to proclaim is the one that we most hold sacred and dear and hidden as a treasure for no one else to discover. You and I have the greatest glory that is to be found in this world and yet we keep it hidden. We hide it in a closet with the same filth and shame that lies dormant waiting to come and take over our lives. Except we pack it to the brim with the things that are not of Him. And wonder why they always come to the forefront. We're called to an intimate relationship. The purpose of selecting the twelve 
is stated simply as being with Him. How do I be? Pastor, how do I be more like Jesus? you got to start by being with Jesus. The two most simple, pure ways to be with Jesus are to read His Scripture and to pray. Well, I don't know what to pray. Lay in silence on your face. Lay prostrate on your face. And pray, Lord Jesus, come. All that I am, God, I give to you. All that I have been, Lord, take over and become new within me. But we think we have to pray these elaborate prayers. Jesus had a certain saying about those. That it's not about the words that you speak, it's about the heart that you bring. We have a mission, all of us, to go and proclaim the message of Christ Jesus to all nations and to teach them to observe the commands that He has laid out for us. How can we do this? By trusting fully in Him, by being with Him, by being like Him and doing what He did. I'm going to keep preaching that message until my shoes fall off. We've got to be more like Jesus. Someone once asked me, what happens when we realize that we can't hit the mark? And I told that person, that's when you get it. That is the moment that, that, that salvation is no longer in question. That is the moment that you have realized Christ Jesus is Lord of all. The moment you realize I'll never hit the mark, but that doesn't keep me from trying. Any y'all like to go fishing? Four people like to go fishing. I'm going to be with you because I don't like to hunt. Can't kill stuff. Y'all know that story. Well, if you like to go fishing, you have to come to the realization that every single time that you go fishing, guess what you're not going to do? Catch a fish. Hey, Mr. Don, has that ever kept you from going fishing? Not once. You never think about going to fishing and say, well, I'm not going to go because I just don't know if I'm going to catch anything. That's all the more pleasure. That's all the more purpose to go the great unknown. Why? Because in the silence, in those moments of solitude, you can most personally find, you can most intimately find Christ Jesus when you get away from all the distractions of this world and lay it all down. Be at the bank of a pond, on a john boat in a river. Maybe you're a mega yachter. Come and talk to me. I want to be your friend. Right? But regardless, does a baseball player go wake up one day and say, I'm just going to stop making the millions because I know I might strike out one day? No, if you're John Carlos Stanton, as a matter of fact, you swing all the harder. If you're Gary Sheffield, Anybody remember those golden days of the Braves past? It was a whole lot of motion to accomplish quite often literally next to nothing. But it didn't keep him from swinging. And that's the Christian life. That's the Christian journey. To know that you may share the gospel and someone may not receive Christ Jesus. But guess what? It ain't always about fruit. Sometimes it's about planting seeds. Anybody ever planted a garden? 
We're in South Carolina. I better see more hands. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. When you put that seed in the soil, was there immediately a watermelon? When you put the seed in the soil, is there always a watermelon? No. But did it keep you from planting the seed? We have a very specific mission to live out the ways of Christ Jesus. I'm going to fly through three things really quick, guys. Look, I don't know if I have to do jumping jacks to get your attention or what. If nothing else has gotten you, I've got to get you for this. You've got to be with me for this journey. We're going to look at three things that separate those who actually follow Christ Jesus from those who simply profess with the tongue and never see heart transformation. First thing, guys, we found this as we began to study the Gospel of Mark. Back in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. You may be familiar that we saw, now after John being John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee. Wait a minute, Jesus didn't start in Jerusalem. He started in Galilee. He set up a home base of operations in Capernaum. And he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, said another way, guys, Jesus said, I'm here, y'all. And too many people didn't heed his warning. Too many people don't heed his warning. They think, well, I'll have time one day. After I'm done having my fun... The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, meaning quite literally turn away from our sin. I don't like it when I turn that way. Y'all see my bald spot. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe. And that is how we find regeneration or justification. But wait, there's more. Anybody ever seen the ShamWow commercials? But wait, there's more. Unfortunately, that's where far too many people stop. Repent and believe. Alright, woo, going to heaven. Sayonara, you guys. Smell you later. Right? We get in this self-determined way of living where Christ Jesus is not at the heart. So in that, you may have just had an emotional Manipulation, an emotional decision. You said a prayer you didn't mean. You raised a hand that didn't mean anything. And your life never changed. Ladies and gentlemen, that means Christ Jesus never entered the dwelling that is you and changed you to become a new man. Whoever lies and tells you it's an overnight change is just that. The Satan, the liar and the accuser. It takes a lifetime of changing patterns of correcting decisions, of making amends for the wrongs that we have done to others. While Christ Jesus instantly comes into our heart when we truly believe, it's to set you on fire to live out His purpose. 
As apprentices, our journey begins with repentance and belief in the good news of the kingdom. Jesus' proclamation urges us to turn from our old ways and embrace the transformative power of His kingdom. How are we doing on that one? How are we doing on that front, church? I said a prayer. But my heart never changed. And Christ Jesus will say one day to many, depart from me, I never knew you. And He doesn't do this with gladness or joy. He does this and He says, you were so close to the kingdom. You were so close to the kingdom and you couldn't give up. You couldn't give up yourself. You couldn't turn from the pride. You couldn't separate yourself from the man of old. He had to stay on the throne. And if He was on the throne, I was never on the throne. This involves a continual turning away from sin and a persistent trust in the good news. Our second thing we have to grasp, family. Y'all still out there? We're still good? We're wrapping this thing up, I promise. We have to seek first the kingdom of God. We have to have a faith that pursues righteousness. How many of us look at salvation as a get-out-of-jail-free card with unlimited swipes? Then that is not a salvation that is in a genuine heart transformation. And thus, you must examine, will I hear, depart from me, I never knew you. In Matthew 6, 31-34, Again, that's Matthew 6, 31-34. Christ Jesus says, Furthermore, I'm giving everybody a minute to flip. I can feel, I can hear pages turning. But seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Wait a minute, guys. We got to do stuff. We're not mother hen. Salvation's not an egg that we sit on. We've got to do the things that Christ Jesus called us to do. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have its own things. I would give more, but... I would give more time, but... But what? Tomorrow's not promised. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus teaches that our faith should not be preoccupied with worldly concerns, but rooted in seeking God's kingdom and righteousness. As apprentices, which is what we're called to be if we're followers of the way, if we're mathetes hodos, 
Hodos Mathetes. Followers of the way. Then our priorities have to align with the divine order. We don't like that one. Our time, our talent, our treasures, everything that makes up our lives have to be rooted in Him. The cross has to be the center. Not hidden out somewhere in a field. The cross has to be the center. With the tomb that's empty at the foot of the cross. Knowing that it all flows from these two places, from these two moments. That you and I are made right because of the cross and because of an empty tomb. You know why they're both empty? Because Jesus took His rightful place in heaven. And what does that mean for us? It means if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to be with Jesus, if we want to do the things Jesus did, we have to put the cross and the empty tomb at the center of our lives and tell, Je- tell others about Jesus. Hey, I know you know who I was before. Have you ever wondered what's different? Have you ever wondered how I could have moved away from these things? It's not I, but He who lives within me. As John says, He must increase, but I must decrease. So how can we be more like Jesus? By being less like you. That one ain't going to sell a lot of tickets. The way we become more like Jesus is being less like Caleb. Being less like I won't put anybody else on the spot. Let me just turn center mass on myself. Because as Paul said, and I'm the chief sinner. And I can't sit here and tell you to do something that I don't also have to do in my own life, guys. There's been way too many guys that stand behind a pulpit and pretend to be holier than thou. I'm just like you. Except God has convicted my heart that I I must declare that coming is the kingdom of God and all must repent. We have to begin seeking the kingdom. A kingdom that requires relinquishing control and acknowledges God's sovereignty. If you've got the reins, God don't. Said another way, all Mark 3, 13-19, which was our proof text to begin this, all it was telling us we could find there in verses 13, 14, and 15. That we have to become more like Jesus. In Sunday school, we were telling of bygone years, guys. And some of y'all, Miss Joanne, I'm thankful for you in particular this morning. Miss Joanne Owens had a heart and a conviction in the beginning of this thing. And I stand right here because... 21, I'm winking. Years ago, it's been more than that. 1960, this thing started. 62, the other side, uh, the the Sunday school hall was built as a sanctuary. 68, with the love and attention to detail, what you're sitting in right here was put together that we could come and profess Christ Jesus as King. And from 70 to 74, this was the biggest church in terms of attendance, in Belton. 
Why? Because it began as Eastview Mission and people had the Great Commission at the heart of it all. And we say, how can we be more like Jesus by doing what Jesus did? Jesus stepped out on faith and asked 12 who nobody else asked. And he said, come and follow me. And Christ Jesus is making the same call to you today. Come and follow me. Maybe you've given your life to him, but you say, what comes next? I've never been baptized. Don't leave this place today before you come. And we can talk about getting you baptized. Don't leave this day, this place today before you say, you know what? I know I'm saved. I've been baptized. I just feel like I need to be doing something in this church. Can I tell you something? There's something in this building as you walk around that you've noticed that nobody else has probably ever noticed. You know why? Because God gave you that mission. Let's fix this. Let's get this where it needs to be. And you say, well, God, why don't you do something? He said, and I did. I created you. So we have to repent and believe the good news. We have to seek first the kingdom of God. Last, we have to live on earth as it is in heaven. Luke 11 makes it very clear for us, family. These are the words of Christ Jesus. Hey, family, if Jesus thought it was important to pray, why aren't we praying? Let me tell y'all, any church in America, what they're guilty of, not praying enough. It would scare you guys away. Way too many people away. If we started this thing the way we should. 15-20 minutes of laying on our face at the foot of the altar. At the foot of the cross. And saying, Jesus, remove anything within me that is not like you. That's too liturgical. It would scare people away. And yet, it's the demand of Christ Jesus. To bow in submission to Him. On the anniversary of this building over here, we opened it up and had people come and pray. And I got to pray with a couple of the people who helped make this building right here possible. You know why this thing is here? Because 21, wink, wink, years later, they're still coming. And they're still bowing at the foot of the cross and they're still praying. So in 21 years from now, Is our faith going to be the kind of faith that we still come and lay prostrate and lay and bow down at the foot of the cross and say, not my will, Lord, but yours. And it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. Man, Jesus has a certain place he likes to go and pray. How are you doing, guys? I don't, I don't have regular prayer life. Do you have a regular prayer place? You got to start somewhere. I don't know what to pray. Just sit quietly. Let God do the talking. Well, He didn't say anything. That's when He said everything. And when He ceased, that one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray. 
And just as John also taught his disciples. So they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, hey man, you go away and you pray. And when you come back, demons bow at your name. And I do remember when this was all getting started, you told me when I came to you and there was 12 of us, you said, you got to go and preach the gospel. You got to go and cast out the demons. You got to go and heal the sick. Well, there's just been this moment where we couldn't cast out a demon. We couldn't cast out an illness. And I remember that you said, well, this kind comes only by prayer and fasting. Well, I guess it resonates with me, Christ Jesus, that I've never asked you to actually teach me how to pray. I've never begged to come along and just see how you pray. I might need to get on top of that. And so he said to them, when you pray. This morning in Sunday school, we were talking about things the Bible doesn't say. Does it say if you pray? Every once in a while, if you think about praying. Also things the Bible does not say. It says when you pray. Which means this is in fact a command of Christ Jesus. When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey guys. It ain't about a personal salvation. It's about getting heaven into you. That you can put heaven out on this earth that more people would come to know Christ. I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. For some, this is the closest to heaven they'll ever see. But thank God Almighty, this is the closest to hell that I ever have to see because Christ Jesus lives in me. And give us day by day Our daily bread. Our four course meal. Things the Bible doesn't say. And forgive us our sins. This next part is the part we really don't like. God forgive me of my sins. For we also, oh no. We also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Or said another way, everyone who has sinned against us. Why? Because each and every single one of us have sinned against another. How are we doing, church? And do not lead us into temptation. Jesus said, the closet, the clutter closet, that my addiction to pornography, alcohol, drugs, greed, name your illicit sin. This closet of clutter, I've got to empty it. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew says, for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the honor forever. Amen. Let me recap this for us, guys. We have to be with Jesus. We have to be like Jesus. We have to do what Jesus did. Said another way, we have to do what Jesus would do if He was you. If you're worried about judging another person, let me tell you something. That is not high on the list. Actually, it's not on the list at all of what Jesus would do. 
say you're worried about looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. That's not on the list of things that Jesus would do. Let me give you a statistic that should scare you. Anybody got kids or grandkids that are teens or below? Alright, you ready for this? 92% of children before the age of 18 will be submitted to pornography. In other words, it will be presented to them. I think this statistic is 76% of children before they reach the age of 18 will either experiment or have access to alcohol. There's a bunch of more just really crippling statistics I could go over, but I think that gets the point across to us. Our kids are getting further and further away from the gospel message, and it's because we're leading them further and further astray. Maya, I'm sorry. Madeline is somewhere. Madeline, I hope you can hear me. I'm sorry. Cashlin, Rylan, Addie, I'm sorry. We got to do better and we got to lead y'all better. Let me give you five ways to wrap this thing up that you can live these things in your life. Five ways that you can repent and believe the good news, that you can seek first the kingdom of God, and that you can live on earth as it is in heaven. I got those four times to you, so they should be starting to stick in your memory. We have to begin a practice of daily repentance, turning from our sins, distancing ourselves from the things that separate us from Jesus. We have to prioritize kingdom values. What does this mean? It means some of them channels on our TV probably need to go. Again, said from someone who is just as guilty as the rest of us. We have to begin a prayerful lifestyle. It should start in prayer and it should end in prayer every day. You're really not going to like this one, which is why I'm going to present it even more. We have to practice forgiveness. Both giving forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. Which means that we have to acknowledge sometimes we're wrong. Just sometimes. Wink, wink. And we have to begin to engage in a kingdom work. What does that mean for us here in this house? The same heart that beated, beated, that beat. In those 60s and 70s that made this thing what it was is the same heart of mission and life together that had this thing pumping. That had this thing leading people to Christ. It's not enough to talk about it anymore, guys. I'm 11 and a half months in of talking about it. we got to start doing it. I would say who's with me, but I'm afraid of what it would look like. 
So let me just silently charge you with that. Who's with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am not capable of living the life in which You have called me to. And I know that there is only one who makes me right in the arms and in the sight of God the Father, and that is Christ Jesus the Son. And this morning, God, here with Your people, I pray that You would come into my heart Not just to to change me for a a moment, God, but to lead me on a life of everlasting change and submission to You. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that today I would begin to live a life that is more like Christ Jesus. To do the things that He did. To be like Him. God, just the sweetness of being with Him. Before you raise your head, Maybe this is the first time that you've ever prayed this prayer. If this is the first time you've ever prayed this prayer, if you would, just raise your hand for me. This morning, maybe you've said this prayer, but you need to recommit your life to being more like Him. And you want to make a promise in this moment, just as I said, who's going with me? So in this moment, if you vow to go with me, if you will, just raise your hand. See Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, this morning our hearts begin to shift. Our hearts begin to, to pump for the things that pump with You, God. Our, our minds begin to pulsate with the things that come from Christ Jesus above. And our lives begin to be convicted and, and, and just led by the Holy Spirit, God. And I pray this morning we would be a church who is on our knees a church that goes into our community and tells people this great commission. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.